Blue Dozen Design LLC, James P. M. Gaffney, its employees, assignees, and sublets shall not be held legally, financially, or morally responsible for anything that goes on on the Uncle Jimbo Sideshow. <coughs> Welcome, welcome. This is Debacle 11 of the Uncle Jimbo Sideshow. Today featuring Isla Grace Zealous, a sex and relationship coach. Um, I think she may still be in Spain. If not, she's traveled back at this point to the United States and is uh, currently roaming the countryside, doing good deeds, and um, setting some people straight. But um, Welcome to the show. Anyway, that uh, intro there was Mona Lisa, Mother Earth by the Swans. Uh, if you don't know the Swans, kind of interesting stuff. Um, started off as more of a death metal band, kind of then went into kind of post-punk um, uh, reduction rock sort of stuff. Um, but have uh, then kind of turned it back around to be more uh, noise and math-driven rock these days. Um, Jarbo left, and it's just Gira and uh, his clan making lots and lots of noise. Uh, oddly enough, one of the loudest concerts I've ever been to. It was uh, it was almost painfully loud. I saw them at the Orange Peel in Asheville. Um, I've seen them a couple of times, but the last last show I caught was at the Orange Peel, um, and it was just unbelievably loud. It was uh, painful. You could you could feel. Uh, you could feel the percussion uh, way deep down, and uh, it was good. Good show. Good show, good loud, and uh, kind of crazy show. I love the swans. But anyway, uh, on today's debacle, we have Isla Grace, zealous, um, talking a little bit about sex and orgasms and um, honestly a little bit of everything. We just kind of covered it all, and um, this is a bit of a long one, so um, sit back, make a uh, beverage, maybe two, and uh, enjoy the talk with Isla Grace, and I will see you on the other side. Hello, everyone, um, and uh, welcome to Isla Grace Ellis, a uh, sex and relationship therapist, coach, um, and all-around cool person. Um, I've actually wanted to talk to Isla for quite a while now. She's She's well tatted up, and I understand that she toured with some uh, some interesting bands. So maybe that one will will get will uh, will get a little bit deeper into that one in the questions. But um, Isla, tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Welcome and um, all that stuff. Hi, <laughs> thank you so much for having me. So I'm a sex and relationship life coach. I primarily work with women one on one to give them the relationships that they, they desire. A lot of women that do come to me are single, but I also work with women in relationship because at the end of the day, 
A lot of times we have a tendency to bring our past and our family upbringing and our parental patterns and their relationship into a relationship with us. And so it's really, I actually really enjoy and get a lot of pleasure unpacking all of the bullshit and all of the drama and all the, the fucked up stuff to really uncover how they can actually have a relationship that's conducive and loving and just fucking awesome. And they end up loving themselves more in return, which is, I think, probably the best part about what I do. Yeah, I mean, that that seems like that's kind of the crux of what you do is, yeah. is um, allowing people to love themselves or getting people to allow themselves to love themselves. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's super, super cool. Yeah, I, I find, you know, and we, we briefly talked about this beforehand, and we've just, especially men and women alike, we've been so pre-programmed in society to hate ourselves or not love ourselves because we don't look or act or speak a certain way. And I've, I personally was bullied from the day I entered elementary school till the day I graduated high school over the stupidest shit, but because I was such a sensitive kid it created so much trauma within me. And because I was a ballerina and a gymnast and did professional off-Broadway plays and musicals, I did all this stuff. And I was in such a space of every time always being judged for my body or what I didn't have. And so it caused so much trauma in me when it came time to like start dating. And what I realized with that is, is like, this shit's just got to go. It's just got to stop. Like I need to start loving myself. So my partner, I can actually allow them to fully love me as well. And I find, again, we bring so much fucking baggage with us that it like, it doesn't need to be that way. And we don't need to overthink it. And we don't have to lie to somebody about who we are just to get them to like us. And if we just show up, like, this is me, all of me, take it or leave it. I love myself no matter what. You can reject me or accept me and it won't matter because if you don't like me, I know somebody else will. And when you have that kind of confidence and love and appreciation and respect for yourself, you're not doing shit. You're not like, you're not okay with doing basically, you know? And so it's just nice to, to provide a space and an environment for that to kind of happen and be cultivated amongst women. You know, it, it's funny you, you say all that. And I know we talked a little bit about that beforehand, you know, um, it goes to business too. Uh, yeah. you know, yeah. it, so many of us walk into business with so much baggage that it's, it's difficult to, to like and accept ourselves. And, you know, I know that one of the big mantras going around right now is just be yourself. Um, and sometimes being yourself is not real easy because, like you said, you can come in with a lot of baggage and really just not like yourself um, based on the past, based on somebody else's, yeah. you know, messing with you or, you know, and I, I was very much the same way. I was, I was bullied. Um, I mean, really until I went to college um, and, and found myself with, um, you know, all the art geeks and, and, and that yes. sort of stuff. But um, it's difficult. It's difficult to overcome that past. And, and I think especially when you're young, um, words hit really hard. Um, yeah. and, and especially if you're a sensitive kid, um, you know, I, I am too. Most of my children are very, very sensitive. Um, you give somebody a label, um, at a young age and that label can stick with them for eons. Um, it, stick, yeah. it can stick with them to the day they die and, and it's difficult to overcome that. Um, because sometimes you don't even remember the root of why you feel 
that, you know, oh, you've got big ears, you know, yeah. and, and it could have been somebody in, in third grade that said, oh, James, you got these ridiculously big ears. Um, and it can be a, a lifelong problem with big ears. And it's, yeah. it's, it's, I, I'm glad that there are people out there. And, and I know we talked about this a little bit too. It does seem like there's a, um, there is a, it seems to be, that there's more of a movement now of people kind of unpacking that stuff. And I think that that's, yeah. Um, it's wonderful, not, not only for sex and relationship, but it's wonderful for business. It's wonderful just for day-to-day living because if you don't like yourself, it's really hard to be liked. Yeah. Well, and so something interesting happened to me a couple of weeks ago, there was a course I had participated in and it ended up not working out. And a woman actually reached out to me and she was on my friends list and she's not somebody that I know really well, but she was like, Hey, I saw that you were in this course. And I have, I have a pet peeve around people who say, oh, you can make X amount of dollars in X amount of days, and this is the course. And then when you get to the contract, it says, we are not responsible for your results. It is solely up to you. And so there are a lot of people in marketing to, to people who want to coach and they brand themselves as business coaches. And what they don't realize is that that appeal is great for people who are new in business. And if they're hard up for cash, or they really think that this is going to work out for them. I, I asked this woman one question and one question only. I was like, do you have a business right now or are you still figuring it out? And her response was, well, I'm still figuring it out. And I said, I, I could not live with myself knowing the amount of money that this particular person asks for and her actually ending up in the same situation I was in, which was broke and it ended up being a really bad living situation and like everything just exploded. But the reality of it is, is so many people are so quick to take your money when, especially if you're going to go in business as a coach, I'm not a mindset coach, but I wish the first coach I ever hired was a mindset coach and not a business coach. Cause my business, I know without a shadow of a doubt would be so much different because I would have already unpacked all this stuff and I wouldn't be five to 10 steps ahead of my clients. I would be 30, 40, 50 steps ahead of them, yeah. really showing them the way. And I think that so many of us don't really see the importance of a mindset coach or why mindset is so important. And I'm a firm believer of we create our own reality. And if our external world isn't what we want it to be, we do have to go inward. We can't keep seeking outward from us. And so again, going back to that whole idea of like, be yourself, be who you are. Really, you can really be who you are absolutely unapologetically. And if somebody doesn't like it, it's not going to fucking matter. But if, you know, if you're not sure of yourself or if you're trying to figure it out, because I think I went through four or five different iterations of my business before I really settled on this title, this niche, this is what I want to do. And this is what I'm committing to doing. I went through four or five different seasons of my title and of how I showed up in the span of two years prior to this past year Hmm. while I was still on tour and still traveling and still kind of figuring out who I was. And so it's absolutely incredible and irresponsible for people to just show up and be like, oh, I'll take your money. Oh, I'll make your website what you want it to be. Instead of everybody should proactively be like, have, do you have a mindset coach or do you have somebody who's helping you really unpack your story? Because if you haven't unpacked it, you haven't looked at it, you haven't seen a counselor, a therapist, a psychiatrist, coach, whoever, 
you haven't seen them and you start to retell your story online, it can be very traumatic if you had a traumatic upbringing, which a lot of us to some degree do. There is something in there, especially women. The vast majority of women who've encountered sexual assault, rape, violence of that nature and haven't actually taken care of it. And then they're showing up online as a self-love coach or, you know, a relationship coach or a money coach and, you know, money and relationships for women go hand in hand because they're directly tied to self-worth. Right. And so, you know, you, you totally need to know who you are without a doubt. So when people come to you and say, oh yeah, maybe you should tone it down. You can be like, oh no, fuck you. Yeah. Cause you absolutely can. Cause you will find your group of people. You, you do. And, and this is something I, I preach quite a bit. You know, it's, it's a numbers game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we need, you know, you couldn't handle 800 new clients, Mm-mm. nor could I, um, you know, I can handle three or four clients at a time. Um, and I'm sure you're probably somewhere in that realm too. Um, so we don't need all the people in the, in the, in the universe. So why not just pick the people that are really cool and the people that really go with us and that, that work with us. Mm. Um, but the only way you can really approach those people is if you're genuine and you're, you are yourself, but there's, there's so much fear over numbers, um, out there and, and people get so fixated on needing to, appeal to the masses, uh, yeah. but you don't. So, so very, very, very few of us in, in this, in this field or in this realm of, of social media marketing could deal with having the masses. Yeah. Uh, you know, most well, of us can only deal with a very small number of people. And, and as such that, that makes our job so much yeah. easier because we're not having to water ourselves down and, and broadcast this message of, of terrificness to the entire universe. We're just, we just need a few people. And if you want to get there, just have a team in place. (laughs) To me, it's that simple. If you really want to get there, like take the steps, like one step at a time. But when you get to that top step, you're going to have everything in place. You'll be able to handle the 800 clients because you'll have about 100 to 200 staff members below you and you'll be making millions of dollars. So it doesn't really matter anyway. So the money's not an issue. Yeah. And you're not but, but to bring it back around to what we were saying, you know, yeah. if you don't start off with a, a real definition of who you are and a real trust and love and understanding of who you are, at some point, you've got to come, you've got to go through that anyway. Yeah. And when you've got 100 employees and 800 clients, it's going to be a hell of a lot harder to do than you it. better know who you are. <laughs> yeah. You better know who you are or it's, it, you you stand a real good chance of it all come crashing down. Um, yeah. you know, it, I don't want to get into my story, but I, I that's honestly okay. what I've kind of lived for 20 years. Yeah. Uh, you know, I built a business for 20 years and one day kind of woke up and said, this isn't what I wanted. This yeah. is, not, you know, this, this doesn't align with me. Um, and it, and it came at, it came at the same time I was going, you know, James, you're okay. You know, you're a good guy and, and you can do this and you can look for more and you can want more. Um, and, and I'm glad that it's happened now, you know, and instead of, you know, I could have built the business to this mega million dollar empire and then had a personality crisis. Um, <laughs> Put, put a bunch of people out of business and out of work and 
you know, it would have been bad. It would have been bad. Or you could have sold the business and let somebody take over and do whatever they wanted with it. You know, there's, there's options, but like, that's kind of what happened to me in the music industry. I was touring with bands for 10 years and I realized the amount of sexual harassment and over being overworked and grossly underpaid just as a woman. Um, you know, I had started out touring with a lot of people and a lot of men and they, their careers rapidly advanced way quicker than mine. And it was, and it sucks to even say, and I even hate to say it, but it's because I was a woman. And, um, one of the last tours I did, I ended up getting fired because I stood up for myself because one of my artists had said to me in the bus and there was nobody else around. He's like, one of these days before the end of tour, he's like, you're going to put your dick in my, he's like, you're going to put my dick in your mouth. And I was like, mm, I think so. Wow. And like this whole thing. Was, was it Bono? Please tell no, me Bono. Oh, come it was on. a shitty, it was a shitty small time rapper on Warp Tour. Um, oh, I was hoping there would be some dirt on Bono that we could no, use. I have nothing on Bono, but Damn. Um, <laughs> this particular scenario was really interesting though. Cause I had done warp tour. I think that was my ninth summer. So I knew the owners and the, the women who have worked for Kevin Lyman for years. And the day after it happened, the day after the, this particular artist called one of my friends who was our stage manager, cause I was tour managing two artists at the time. Um, my rapper turned around to my stage manager who's Asian and said, drop the N bomb with a hard R. And I'm like, mm, this isn't going to fly. And my friend turned to me and he's like, well, we got to go talk to Kevin Lyman. And I'm like, okay, like, of course it's going to be my artist and it's going to be me. And, you know, I just literally said, you know what, Kevin, I said, this is what I've been dealing with. I laid it all out. And I said, I don't care if I get fired. I said, I I do not get paid enough to deal with two artists when I'm literally walking over five miles a day in the heat with very little water. I'm like, I just like between catering runs, we had three meet and greets. Like I had all this stuff to do and I was not making a lot of money. And the second day, Kevin Lyman comes to me and he says, you should just keep your head down and do your job is what he said to me. And so the day after that, I end up getting fired and I'm like, okay, fair enough. And it wasn't Kevin Lyman who fired me. It was the bands. And, um, you know, I, this past year was the last year of Warped Tour. And I'm like, good fucking riddance. Like I, the amount of sexual misconduct, um, you know, and bad sexual behavior that happens on that tour towards women was just appalling. And um, I think I was, lucky for the most part because I knew most of the guys because I worked in venues for years. So a lot of the bands had a certain level of respect for me, but a lot of them also didn't. And, um, you know, it's just something that happens in the music industry. I can't tell you how many times I had been disrespected by so many artists and so many managers and venue people because of my gender. And, you know, the sad thing is, is because I'm an average build woman with a, you know, an attractive body and an attractive face. And I like to laugh and smile. Like there's this like green light for a lot of men in the music industry to treat me a certain way. And if I were overweight or not as attractive, I would literally be treated like one of the guys and it would be a completely different ball game. And I would 
probably be making, I probably would still be touring, you know, but because I was just kind of like, fuck it. Like I deserve better. I don't deserve to go through this. And then I watched all the girls who would see these bands and fawn over these band guys. And I'm like, there's like not, most of them are not good people. And I would watch the lack of security and confidence in these women and girls and they just wanted to be liked and they just wanted to get the band guys number and they just wanted to go backstage and then they'd get the backstage pass and then they'd do shit that they would regret with the band guy just so they could say that they were with the band guy and just watching the cycle get perpetuated I'm like I have to do something more not only for myself but other women and so that like really that was the crux of why I got into you know the the niche that I'm in because it's important it's so important um, for a lot of women. And it's, I, I would say there are two bands in the 10 years of touring that I absolutely love and adore and would do anything for. Um, and one of them, oddly enough, because I've done a couple tours with them is Hawthorne Heights. They're their own special breed of, of humans and I love them. But, um, and then the other band was Blink-182. Mm-hmm. Every other band I could give two shits less about. Like... Did you ever run, run across the Jesus lizard or any, no. of, the, any of the old people? Um, well, so I know some of the guys in street dogs and sick of it all. And I've done a couple shows with H2O cause they would come to the venues that I would work at in New York and LA. Um, and there was another metal uh, European metal band that I got Saxon. I got to do lights uh, for Saxon. Saxon. That was cool. really cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, so there, I think there was a movie about Saxon, wasn't there? Uh, probably. It was kind of a weird, it was a documentary thing. Yeah, I'll have to look that one up. I think it was probably. Saxon. I'm pretty sure it was Yeah, Saxon. and it's like, so I have a lot of friends that kind of, they're they're either in the metal world or they're in the hardcore world. Because like I've, I haven't toured with the guys in Flag or TSOL, but I have met them. And God, it, I, I can't yeah. believe TSOL is still going on. They they actually I think they were actually on Warp Tour last year for for a minute. Um, let's let's put it this way: I had TSOL on the back of my jacket in high school. In I love them. So <laughs> I love TSOL. Those dudes have been around forever, forever. I know a lot of the ba- but a lot of the bands that I listened to in in high school and you know after high school, eighties and nineties hardcore. Like that's my jam. Like I love eighties and nineties hardcore because it, I don't know what it was, but it just that angsty, angry teenager in me, like I fucking loved it. And, um, you know, I had been to CBGB's before it closed down and I, I haven't yeah, over been over a rent dispute, right? Wasn't that why CBGB's struggling? Yeah. Cause I think they were increasing the rent cause it was, it was in a time in New York City, because it wasn't that long ago, I think it was in the 2000s, the early 2000s, that they decided to, to raise the rent and the club couldn't afford it because they were hosting old punk bands who don't make a lot of fucking money to begin with. And the people who go to these shows, again, don't have a lot of fucking money, let's be real. Yep. And it's like... <laughs> yeah. yeah, the $48 t-shirt at a punk show. No. no, 15 to 20. Yeah. <laughs> 20 yeah. If you're lucky. If you're <laughs> yeah. And so, um, odd, and funny enough, do you, um, have you ever listened to Teenage Bottle Rocket? 
No, it sounds familiar, but I don't think okay. I've heard them. They are a, I want to say a newer punk band. They've, they've been around for a while, but um, they're from Laramie, Wyoming. Mm. And they're based on the to stay in Laramie uh, Saturday night. Okay. So, well, here's a strange story. Uh -oh. um, a couple of years ago, I was teaching yoga on Warp Tour because I also do teach yoga. And it was something that I did for fun because I was going to practice anyway. So I might as well teach. And the bass player from Teenage Bottle Rocket, Miguel, is now a certified yoga instructor, owns a yoga studio in Laramie, Wyoming. And it was because of my yoga classes that he took on Warp Tour. Oh, that cool. kind of started that for him because he was on the path of Buddhist meditation, which was great. But because I decided that that's what I was going to, that's how I was going to spend my free time. And I was four years sober. I think that summer I had four years sober and that's kind of how I spent my nights instead of at the barbecues with a bunch of drunk people. Cause I didn't don't like being around drunk people now that I'm sober. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I never liked being around drunk people when I was drunk either. Yeah. It's, it's rough. Crazy. It's rough. Yeah. So it's been interesting. My journey has been an interesting journey. Yeah, you've got a good one. You've got a good one. I like it. Yeah. So are you ready for the dreaded five questions? Sure. All right. These, these might be hard. They might be easy. Some people okay. breeze through them. Some people don't. Okay. Anyway, one of the ones I ask uh, pretty much everybody is, uh, what does punk mean to you? But I, I actually, I, I kind of know what punk means to you, I think. But I want, I want you to define punk, or can you define punk in five words or less? Not giving a fuck about what people think you are. So just not giving a fuck. That's more than five words. <laughs> Not giving a fuck is not. <laughs> All right. I, I like that one. I will take that one. That's, that is a good answer. That's, that's actually one of the more succinct answers we've gotten. Yeah. And, and I think I actually am going to start asking it in that, in that way, because otherwise it, it kind of rambles on, but. Uh, yeah, no, it's, I mean, that's, I don't even remember. I remember looking up the definition for punk at one point in time when I was a teenager and you know, it's really about just going against everything that mainstream society talks about. So loving yourself is a rebellious act or an act of being punk. And I think that it's interesting that there's a lot of people like, you're not punk because you don't dress. And I'm like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. You, I think the minute that you say you're not punk to anybody else, that you're means an you're not punk either. <laughs> Yeah. I would just say they're an asshole, you know, that's true. That is very, very true. Very true. All right. Uh, question number two, yes. do you feel that your business is punk? Yeah. Yeah. In, in what way? And that's, that's not another question. That's just part of okay. that. I teach women how to love themselves and show up as who they are, take it or leave it. Like that to me is a, punk as it fucking gets. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. I mean, like you said, don't, no, don't give a fuck. Don't give a fuck. Don't give a fuck. <laughs> uh, question number three. Um, there's in our circles, there's a lot of talk about the ideal client, right? Um, what makes a client ideal and not necessarily an ideal client to you, but what makes a client ideal? To me, it's somebody who's willing to show up, pay, do the work, and somebody who also actually 
inspires you and challenges you to grow as well. Because if you're not growing, then your clients aren't growing. I'm a huge believer in that. So there's, you know, as, as much as my ideal client is who she is, um, she's very similar and very different to me all at the same time. But there's always an aspect all of my clients have where they're for, I'm literally being forced to grow and learn more so I can serve more effectively. Um, and so if you're, if you're not growing, your clients aren't going to grow, especially if you're a coach. So do you, do you think that, that there's a, a danger in the ideal client? Because then that means that maybe the people that you're bringing in don't necessarily challenge you. No. You know, I, I mean, are, are you looking or do, do people look for the ideal client because that ideal client is easy? My ideal client definitely isn't fucking easy. Um, right. Mine neither. <laughs> I, well, I really think it depends on the person. I, this is a gripe within the coaching community I have, so I'm just going to put it out there. Um, there are people in the coaching community who coach just to get out of their nine to five job who have never had a hard fucking day a day in their life. And, you know, they might be young and not have had a day in, a hard day in their life, or they may be young and they may have had a lot of fucking struggle and that's why they can show up the way that they do. But I think there are a, there is a certain group of coaches who have never had to lean on what they coach on, or they don't really know what they're coaching about. So they just kind of take whatever. And it's not a big deal if they make the money or not, because somebody else is paying for them or supporting them. Um, and so I think that there are certain types of coaches like that who will pick the easy client who won't grow and who will blame the lack of the client's growth on their inability to do the work. Um, when in actual reality, that particular coach has never done any work, which tarnishes the whole idea and concept of coaching in general. Um, you know, I've had such a, I've gone through so many different things in my life and I'm only 31 and I have had far more experience than I think most people at this point have had. And so for me, I know where I stand, like I'm okay with how I coach and I'm always pushing myself to grow, but there are people who just get so fucking comfortable and don't have to worry and don't have to stress and like, haven't had to work really that hard to get clients. And so I do think some people are just fucking lazy. Absolutely. And they're going to pick an easy client who is kind of wishy-washy and, oh, well, if they do the work, then that's fine. If they don't, it's not that big of a deal. But they're also attracting the, you know, we always attract people into our circles that mirror us. So if you are somebody who wants to grow, you're going to attract a client. If they're your ideal client or not, you're going to attract a client and they're going to force you to fucking grow. If you're a wishy-washy person and don't really care, you're going to attract clients who are wishy-washy and don't really care. And so I think the idea of an ideal client is really cool because you get to be very clear on what you want. You get to put your order into the universe, <laughs> you know, as I like to call it, ab- about who you want to work with. Um, but there are coaches out there who give the coaching industry a bad name because they just did it to get out of their job right. and they did it to stay home. Um so I, I, it's really, that's really, I think a twofold or like there's, there's both sides to the coin. Um, so I don't really think that to answer your question. Yes. I think do some people do pick easy ideal clients because they want it to be easy. 
um, and it doesn't force them to grow. Mm -hmm. However, good coaches are going to constantly find clients who are going to cause them to grow, or they're going to be going back to their friends being like, oh my God, you know, this, this was the aha I had on my call with my client about me. Cause I totally have women who I go back and say that to, who are really good friends and confidants of mine. And I'm like, I can't believe that I just, you know, your client should be teaching you as much as you're teaching them. The whole well, point I think if, it. if they're not, it, it becomes a product. Yeah. You know, and, and they become consumers and not clients. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, it, again, you know, a, a lot of the circles we run in, it's, it's about relationship. You yeah. know, and, and I prefer clients that, that come into a relationship and relationships by their very nature are challenging and they yeah. should be, you know, yeah. it, if everything is nice and easy and, and sweet and, and it's low pointless. level, it, it, yeah. it's pointless or you become complacent. Um, yeah. Well, it requires, it, it requires interaction, you know, yeah. it, you have to have it. I mean, the other intention I even have set for my business is that my clients essentially become friends. Like we become that close, like girlfriends, because I think women need other women so badly right now where they can feel safe and just let their guard down and talk about whatever the fuck it is that they need to talk about, whether it's sex related or, you know, family related or whatever the thing is, it doesn't really matter. But women need that almost that camaraderie of gossip a little bit, not in the way of being judgy or negative, but sometimes we need to gossip and that's okay. It's not really a masculine trait. It's a feminine trait. And so I want my clients to be able to come to me and message me and be like, oh my God, I had the worst fucking day. And I always ask them, like, is it an emergency? And if they say no, I say, can we do this like tomorrow or in an hour or whatever? And, you know, they'll say yes or no. And if it is an emergency, I say, okay, can you, can you give me a couple of minutes? And we, I sit on messenger with them, which I've had to do before, you know, at night next to my partner <laughs> to be like, hold on, you know, to have the conversation. Um, Cause there's just, there's something so beautiful in those types of relationships. Cause I wasn't raised with relationships like that. Not even close. Yeah. It's, it's a great thing. I, I really do. I appreciate especially my clients that kind of come in and we're able to be more personal like that. Yeah. I think that the, ultimately the work is better. Um, oh yeah. You know, things advance quicker um, because there's trust there and yeah. trust is a, a huge, huge thing. And I know, especially when it comes to relationships and, and sex, I mean, trust is, yeah. it's, you gotta have it. You really gotta have it. So. Well, and, and the crazy thing is, is like the, especially in the department of sex, there's so many women who aren't even comfortable talking about the, the sexual things that they enjoy. And it's like, how do you expect to have a, you know, a sexual relationship with a partner if shit's boring? Like you, you got to spice it up. You got to change it up. So you got to be comfortable talking about what you want or even like, even if you want to orgasm. Let's be honest, like dudes, dudes don't always know, (laughs) depending on their experience. And so you really have to be able to verbalize or vocalize what feels good or what doesn't. And if you're, you're quiet little church mouse, you don't say anything. The guy's not going to know whether he's, he's, you know, hitting the right spot or doing what needs to be done to get you off. And it's like, just, it's not that big of a deal. Like it's empowering when you can be like, this is what I like, (laughs) you know? Right. But I mean, and, 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 you know, I know that you deal with women, but it's, it's the same way with guys. I mean, yeah. it, it really, really is. And I think that it's, it's a social stigma 
in a lot of ways. Um, you know, you don't really talk about sex. You know, you like to have sex and you want good sex, but you know, it's embarrassing to say, well, you know what, that that wasn't a very good blowjob. I'd really appreciate it if you do it this way. Right. You know, it, it, yeah. That's terrible. You know, and, yeah. and and people people lose their shit over stuff like that, and we shouldn't. You know, yeah, if we're in a relationship to the point where we're having oral sex, shouldn't you? We be comfortable enough to yeah. be, to be honest with each other. Yeah, or it's, or at least like looking at the the first time you're having oral sex or regular sex or anal sex, like it doesn't matter. But there should be almost I like I like to consider it like the educational, like the first times, like the educational time where you sit there, you, you take it slow, you, you process what needs to be processed within that space of intimacy and what works and what doesn't work. Because, you know, if you don't have those conversations, your partner's not going to know, then you're going to be having mediocre sex. And then five, 10 years down the road or two years down the road, you're like, this is fucking boring. I'm out. Like I'm sick of it. And it's like, did you even have a conversation? And they're like, no. And I'm like, we need to have a conversation about what you like or what you don't like. Or, you know, if you need more time, because the vast majority of men in the bedroom do not last very long, you know, and it's like, and that's okay. That's, there's nothing wrong with it, but you can introduce toys. And the beautiful thing about toys even is that you can get ones that aren't lifelike. So right. the man isn't intimidated or feeling less than or not good yeah. enough. Yeah, so when, you, when you show up and your wife has the 14-inch jelly dong, it, it's, yeah, it's like, what are you going to do? Yeah, it's, uh, I can't compete with that. Yeah, you know? Yeah, and it's like, because that's not realistic for most people. You well, know? It's, it's not realistic for most insecure. It's, yeah. you know, Guys think that that's, I mean, it, we could go on about that yeah. one for, for eons. <laughs> true. But... Yeah, Save I mean, it for another day. <laughs> it's it's honesty, and and I don't know why the hell we're also ashamed to be honest. We just have been raised that way, and I think a lot of it really roots back to, you know, I don't necessarily feel like it was my parents. More so, my grandparents were more on the religious conservative. I consider my grandma; she's like the 1950s Martha Stewart. She'll give you a recipe, but she won't. She'll leave out an ingredient, so you fuck it up. So you have to call her. Yeah, that's um, that's my grandma. Um, <laughs> you know, oh grandmas, like, I love grandma. But like, she's a very conservative woman. So like, I can guarantee my my dad's side of the family, like none of the men, the boys and the girls, like they never got the sex talk. And she's a nurse, you know. And it's like on my mom's side of the family, like that sure as fuck didn't happen. And even being in Morocco and in Bali, like the sexual repression and lack of sex education in those countries is outstandingly mind blowing because they don't talk about the idea of contraception. Um, women are used just to procreate and birth and be at the men's disposal in some cases, not, not all cases, but a lot of the old school traditional, you know, families, I would say who would be like my parents' age, very much that way. And they're getting their sex education, especially the kids, they're getting it from porn. Mm. And the vast majority of porn is made by men for men. So it's not really um, lady friendly, like it's not feminist porn. And so <laughs> there's like this, this whole thing of like, dudes, you know, enjoying the idea of 
coming on a girl's face. And most women don't like it, but because they see it there, they're like, oh, it's a great thing. Like, I'm going to do it. And then they get the girl and the girl's like, oh, fuck no. (laughs) Well, just for the record, I don't care where I come. Well, yeah, well, most men (laughs) don't, but you know, but like these conversations need to be had and they're not. And so (laughs) it's like, for me, the work that I do being in these countries has become even more prevalent and more like, oh, this is why I need to do this. This is why my work is important, you know? And so it's interesting <laughs> to say the least. And, and I was actually going to ask you about that. You know, what, what are the different, what's the difference between kind of Western sexuality and, and worldwide sexuality? Um, because I know it, that we, especially in the United States, I mean, we are, we are a Christian co- country. Um, and, and I think that largely just don't talk about it. You don't talk about sex. Everybody wants it. Everybody does it. Everybody needs it. But so few people want to talk about it because yeah. there's, there's a stigma around it or a shame. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really fucked up because, you know, of, of all the primal things in the world, you know, childbirth is, is amazing, all this stuff. But mm-hmm. what do you get to share with another human? That, yeah. is, that is heavier than, than good, connected, awesome sex. I mean, well, the, but the reality of it is, is most people aren't even having good connected sex. Like it's not a thing. Um, people are using sex to numb out. Like they use drugs and alcohol or food or whatever the thing is. And so I find it very interesting that, um, it just, it's just something that needs to be talked about. We need to have a level of comfortability around it and, the misinformation even in America for kids in sex ed is just mind blowing. Oh, I remember sex ed classes. Absolutely mind blowing. And so, but the fact is, is it's not even being talked about in places like Indonesia or Morocco. Like you can't, there's no sex shops in either of these countries. It's not a thing that exists. You can't. um, Is that a religious imperative or, or more of a, more of a social imperative? Do you think? I think it's 50, 50, um, because Bali, although it's Hindu, the vast majority of Indonesia is Muslim. Morocco is also Muslim. Um, do I know how the religion differs in either country? No, not at all. Um, and I don't really know much about the religion, but there is just like any conservative religion that believes in a God, a God, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of shame and there's a lot of, you know, things that aren't good. Um, the other thing I find really interesting specifically about Morocco is that the women here are married young. They have to have their hymen intact and, and, um, men give women a certain dollar amount of money in case, um, the man decides to leave. And they can also have multiple wives. And so it's like, it's their insurance policy basically. And so from like here, and this is just me being here for three months. So I don't have the whole scope of it. I don't understand the scope of it by any means, but you know, you're, you're, you're buying your wife's virginity and they're young. And so it's just, it's, and again, like the, the, Younger generations, I feel, are, are more modern and different than the older generations, but there's still like the stigmas and the stereotypes still totally exist. And it's all, it's, 
it's here. Um, and it's, it's very humbling, but I think sex and relationships and how to have a loving connected experience matters, no matter what race you are, what religion you are, what language you speak, um, you know, and it just, these things need to be talked about. Like they talk about religion, like be important. Like, why not let your woman enjoy pleasure? Why not let her have a mind blowing orgasm? I mean, come on. <laughs> why the hell not? I mean, really, why not? It, it's good for the man's ego, you oh, know, totally. and, and it's good oh. for her. And, you know, it releases stress and worry. Like it allows that stuff to kind of go away. And it's so funny because I do believe at one point in time, way, way back in the day, they, instead of providing antidepressants, it would be masturbation. Like that would be the prescription from a psychiatrist. Yeah. So why are we not still using that? <laughs> well, it's, um, I had, it was a book of old, there were weird ads. Um, and mm. one of them was for, for women's hysterics. Mm. And, you know, that's the whole hysterectomy thing. Mm-hmm. But for women's hysterics, it was a giant vibrator. And that was, that was a medical device. Um, and, and not saying that women are hysterical, hysterical and they all need an orgasm, but there is something to that. I mean, yeah. there really is something to having a really fucking great orgasm. It, it changes. It's awesome. Orgasms, no, it, orgasms are great. And they should be free and they should be everywhere. And they should, should be. be allowed to talk about them. And but- so another interesting thing. Um, you, let me let me bring this up. You you posted a while back about you know when's the last time you masturbated in a bathroom? Oh, in the public restroom. It was have you masturbated in a public restroom? Right, right. Why it, w- would that be shocking? Why would it be shocking that if you walked in and somebody's taking a dump, right? You don't think twice about it. But if, if you walk in and somebody's whacking one off. You think there's some kind of fucking weirdo. It's just as natural as taking a dump, if not more so. Yeah. I don't remember the last time I took a dump and I was like, man, that was insanely good. I'm so happy I did that. Um, I can't wait for the next time I take a dump. Well, I mean, some people. (laughs) We're not going to talk about those people. Well, being on tour, like you can't go number two on the bus. Not allowed. It's a no-fly zone. Totally. Right. I understand that. It's like, you right. But if you have a long fucking bus drive and you got to go, when you get to that rest stop, you, you bet. (laughs) Like I know so many guys that I've toured with, they're like, Oh my God, that was the best thing ever because they've had to hold it. And it's like, when it doesn't like to me, I'm just like, okay, whatever. Like, cool. Good good for you. (laughs) There there were people who were appalled. There were people who were appalled. On, on my feet. If you go back, you'll be like, no, never. I remember it. I remember it. But I just, I don't see why that is a shocking thing. Why should an orgasm be something that is forbidden in any way? I, uh, you know, I. Name one person that, that shouldn't have an orgasm. I think everybody or should one have person an orgasm. That would benefit from a good orgasm. I think everybody should have orgasms if you want to have them. I mean, there's people who are asexual and celibate who don't want to and like more power to them. If that's their path, like that's cool. 
Um, but I totally believe if you want to have an orgasm, like have at it, like you'll feel better. You might have divine creative inspiration too, because you've released all of the stress, the worry, the frustration you've dropped the, you've dropped the world off your shoulders, you know, and you're able to be a normal human being again. And if you allow that to kind of happen, like so many amazing things can happen. And if you orgasm and you're happy and a partner comes home and he's had a stressful day or she's come home and she's had a stressful day and you're happy and you're like cooking dinner, like whatever the thing is, it doesn't matter. Or you've done the dishes. They're going to feel fucking great because you actually are a positive light. You're happy. You're ready to please. Like, how can I help you? And you give them that time that they need to kind of acclimate and come in and be like, okay, my partner's like doing good today. Like that's dope. You know, they're making dinner great, you know, and you get to decompress and you get to come in and be present for them. And it's a beautiful thing. And it's like um, my, my teacher that I mentioned earlier, her and her partner do a lot of relationship retreats and, and men and women's work. And she she talks about how the way through a woman's heart is through her cervix because you have this spinal column and you have the chakras. And so if you actually look at like medical photos, your vocal cords, your cervix, you know, and, and your vagina, they all for women specifically, like they all look the same. Mm. They all look very similar. And so because of where the energy goes and how the energy in your body actually flows, even with partners, um, when, when you're in that process and if you have a conscious male counterpart by doing the work and the breath work and the moving of the energy, you can have next level orgasms or you, your partner, your male counterpart can last longer because the energy is being circulated in your body the way from a spiritual perspective that it's intended to for a good, healthy, long sexual experience. And, um, again, like men usually you got like I think seven minutes with men, not even most of them, depending, mm-hmm. you know, it's 15, 20 time. seconds. I'm good. Right. Right. But like women, need, women need like a good 30, 40 minutes. Yeah. Like women need time. And so like, that's why I'm, that's why I'm all about the foreplay. I'm like, like I talk to my clients. I'm like, you, you need to start doing foreplay and the foreplay can start before the actual sexual foreplay to be like kissing each other or flirting with feeding each other. Like it can be so many big, beautiful things that can lead up to that point. So you're already ready to go by the time the actual foreplay starts. And then it'll take less time to be in the foreplay to have that sexual experience. And it's like, these are all beautiful things. But when it boils down to religion or culture or upbringing, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't raised in a sexually open family by any means at all. So I find it very interesting that just, being going from America to Bali and then Bali to Morocco, two different third world countries, two very sexually repressed countries, two very conservative countries. Um, you know, and just being here, like I'm here. Hey, what's up? <laughs> and doing the work that I do, like it's a very beautiful thing. But it's it just reminds me, like there's so much work and healing that and conversations that need to happen that are not easy to have yeah. for for mm-hmm. most people and that are uncomfortable. It's difficult. Sex, sex relationships or sex questions are difficult. Sex conversations are difficult. You know, I've been married for 20, almost 27 years now. Yeah. And it's still a difficult thing. You know, we're, we're very open about it and and we do talk about it, but there are still times that I find myself embarrassed, you know, and and my wife very much the same way. Um, 
and and a lot of that I think is just you know it's society it's how she was she was brought up in a very fundamentalist Christian household um, I was brought up in a, a strange household um, mm-hmm. but it, yeah. you know, you didn't talk about sex and mm-hmm. it's it's kind of I mean it takes practice you know it's like anything else you know yeah. it um, to be able or to think that you can just walk in and go, Hey, we're going to have a cracking conversation about sex right now. Yeah. And you're going to, you're going to cure all your sexual issues with your partner. It doesn't work that way. I mean, it, it just doesn't work that way there. And, and like you said earlier, there, there's so many levels and so many things that you have to unpack and so many things that yeah. can, that can affect the, your sexual relationship. Um, and, I have and, to real quick. I'm sorry. I have to plug in my computer. Cause uh-oh. it's on 1%. Oh, no. I don't want to lose you. Good. That's a that's actually a perfect segue into the next question. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, yeah, it'll it'll get us stop talking about sex for a couple. Of <laughs> it never stops. In no, my, it really does. It really does. Um, I don't know if you watch The Office, but okay. Robert California is one of my favorite characters on there, and one of the big things. It's all about sex. Don't let anyone ever tell you that any differently. It's all sex. Yeah. Um, and, well, for the vast majority, it is, and even on tour, all all dick sex and fart jokes. You know, I do like I love a good fart joke. I love yeah. a good fart joke. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's get on to question four, get, and then we'll do question five real quick, and then we'll get the hell out of here. How about that? Okay. All right. Number four. What is your favorite social media platform? I love Instagram. Because I like, I like visually pretty things. Yeah. Um, You're killing it on Instagram too, by the way. I'm I'm, really, yeah. Shocked by your numbers. I really am. I, it's one of those things that I'm just like, okay, like, let's see what happens. Um, But I, I I love, I love Instagram so much and I do not feel good at it at all. Um, But I love it. You get great engagement. You really do. Um, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. <laughs> my engagement sucks, but then again, so all my photos. So. Well, you know. So, like, how many how many more pictures of garbage off the street can somebody take before they stop falling? A lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I need to up my Insta game. I actually uh, spoke with somebody a while back about upping my Insta game, and they gave me a bunch of tips and tricks that mm-hmm. I've not followed. So it's okay. It's I, Instagram is its own, is its whole other beast of a thing. Um, I personally think even though my numbers are a little bit lower on Facebook, I feel like I do better on Facebook because I've invested more time in it because I understand that platform better than I do Instagram. Um, But Engagement is hard on Instagram. For me, it's very, very difficult because yeah, how many more ways can you say, hey, that's a really nice picture? Yeah, you know, the like the like button, and yeah. you just keep saying, "Hey, it's a really nice picture." Well, yeah. the interesting, really interesting thing about that is too um, that my ideal client, which I haven't found her yet on Instagram, but I I would traditionally find her on Instagram. But I do I do all of my stuff on Facebook, and I'm trying to integrate it over to Instagram so it's better. But from the business perspective. Yeah. That's where I want to find her. That's where I want to find my ICA. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's hard. And it's so difficult to 
keep all the platforms going all at once. And yeah. Well, I mean, if I could just do, if I could do Instagram and Facebook and just be done and not have to worry about anything else, I would, I absolutely would. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think LinkedIn is your platform. Well, maybe, or actually maybe it could be, I mean, maybe there's, I could have a, my, my ideal client, she does, she makes quite a bit of money. So she, she holds a power position um, whether it's as an influencer or in a high-end corporate job. So yes, she, I could find her there. Um, but I be a really difficult place to approach her though. I think. Yeah. I haven't even begun to think about it. You're the second person who's mentioned LinkedIn. Tori was the first yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. okay, can, can, I would like to find, I would like to really build out my Instagram a lot more. Um, and just find my clients there because I like pretty pictures. Yeah. Cool. Terrible as that is. <laughs> yeah. Pretty pictures are nice. I like pretty pictures too. I like pretty pictures. <laughs> I, just, I don't know how to monetize pretty pictures. Yeah. One day. One day. All right. Question number five. And this is this is the the custom question, as it were. Um, everybody gets their own question. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. What is the sexiest brand out there? The sexiest brand. And it doesn't have to be sex. It just what? That's a good question. I'm stumped on this one. Um, you could just say Starbucks and we can move along. Yeah, but I don't. I, I, honestly, I don't like Starbucks stuff. I no. really don't. I think they're honestly pretty derivative and boring. I mean, I do really appreciate the brand that Dita Von Teese has created for herself. Mm. Um, because she is a burlesque dancer and she has her own lingerie line and fragrance line. And um, I think that she has made sexy in a very provocative way, accessible for all women mm. who obviously can afford a 50 to $80 bra, um, <laughs> you know, or $50 panty, yeah. but um, she, she's made it relatively accessible for women, um, which I think is really nice. And then, yeah, I would go with Dita Von Teese. Yeah. I'll have to look her up. I, I, I know of her and have seen her around, certainly, but I, I haven't really looked at her business or any of that kind of stuff. She's Marilyn Manson's ex-wife. Um, right. I've actually also toured with her in her camp before on, on one of her, on a very short leg of her burlesque review. And I actually think she just turned 50 as well. But... She's got a fragrance line, a lingerie line, a striptease cabaret review that she was touring with. And now I think it's just in LA, but she's got a, she's got a pretty good setup. Like she's, I, I don't think that she's in an overabundance of money or surplus, but I think she does well for herself. All things considered, she started out as a stripper and softcore European porn actress is how she started. Um, Me too. Yeah, you know, I, I get that from you completely. Yeah, don't. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, so I, I dance would, better than you think. Yeah, well, you know, it's I, it's your inner femininity tapped into it, and I, I think you know she, she's got a good little setup because she sells photos, and her assistant Callie makes paint like Swarovski crystal pasties, so at shows women can buy them and then wear them at home. And it's, it's a very accessible 
thing, which I really like about what she does and her predominant client basis or fan base is actually women mm. over men. Um, so yeah. Cool. I would say Dita Vontis. Cool. We'll have to check her out. I'll check her out. All right, Isla. Thank you so much. Tell the people where we can find you. Give us a little bit of value or a joke or whatever you want, but give well, us give us some links and, and all that good stuff. Okay. Um, all of my social medias, I am Isla Grace, I-A-M-A-Y-L-A-G-R-A-C-E. And then my website is www.iamilagrace.com. Very easy. I like to keep things simple and easy because life should be easy. Um, we tend to, as human beings, complicate things. So. Yes. Yes, we do. God, yeah. yes, we do. And yeah. as I say that, I'll go off, you know, I'll get off this call and I'll go complicate the hell out of something and <laughs> then complain later that it's so damn complicated. Sounds good. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. You know, just shooting yourself in the foot and then cursing your gun. Yeah, you might as well. Somebody's got to do it. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Well, Isla, thank you so much. This has been great. Um, it's been a pleasure. I, like I've said, I really, I've been wanting to talk to you one-on-one uh, -on -one for a while and, um, you know, kind of pick your brain. I'd love to talk a little bit more about uh, tour stories and, and punk rock and all that good stuff. Um, we totally can. I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit of a music freak and especially when it comes to eighties and nineties punk. Um, it's, 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 My people. That's it. I mean, God, what else do you really need? Not, not a whole lot. <laughs> well, awesome. Thank you again, Isla. Everybody go check her out and um, we'll see you on the next one. Okay. Well, you've made it through yet another debacle. You should be proud of yourself. This was a, this was a good one. This was a good one. I really appreciate Isla and, uh, and her uh, contributions and um, the spirit in which she goes about her business. She's just um, genuine and sincere and uh, really out to help and, um, and, and grow awareness uh, around sex and relationships. And I think that's great. It's something that certainly we all need. Uh, as entrepreneurs and uh, business people, if, uh, if we forget about the relationships, if we uh, neglect our needs and neglect our uh, our sexuality, uh, we do it at our own peril. And uh, I appreciate Isla and uh, her uh, her drive to help out there. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about Isla and what she's up to, uh, visit IamIlaGrace.com. Uh, that is I A M. A-Y-L-A-G-R-A-C-E dot com. I am Isla Grace dot com. Uh, really good stuff. Uh, really great lady and a uh, really great person. Really appreciate her. Uh, also, I really appreciate you for listening and tuning in and sharing and loving and hearting and upvoting and uh, tweeting out and putting over on Facebook and tagging your friends and uh, putting up billboards and yard signs and really promoting this to everybody the way that you do. That's uh, I couldn't do it without you. And uh, without you, this podcast would be nothing. And uh, so be sure to write, rate it and love it and like it, uh, upvote it, uh, share it on Reddit, uh, open up a YouTube account and shout about it there. Uh, and, and don't forget to subscribe and 